gosh. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I don't know how each kid has made me more emotional. It's like each kid I have, the slightest thing. And then when you're, which I'm not pregnant, not pregnant, but when I was pregnant, <laughs> when I was pregnant, there was just a picture. Like there was nothing, it was no, and I was sobbing. I remember being at church, this was years ago, and I was just like, <laughs> and it's a picture of my kids, and that was it. <laughs> oh, happy Mother's Day, my friends. I'm Jessica, and I'm so happy to be here this morning. It's going to be fun. But I'm going to just pray real fast. Um, <sighs> Lord, I love you, and I thank you that you are here with us this morning, and I just pray that you would just fill my heart, my mouth, my mind with the wisdom of heaven and that you would just, just everything that flows out today would be exactly what you want all of my friends to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Anton, by the way, created that and that was just adorable and hilarious. Oh my gosh, I loved that. So actually, uh, let's see, I need to look at the time here. Okay, cool. I have to have a goal. Um, so it's, the last time I shared was last Mother's Day, and it was online because of COVID, and somehow I've gotten out of speaking ever since then, because I'm up in Mountain Kids, and I'm all over the place, and maybe I'm a little nervous to share, and that's more, I just kind of hide behind things, but you know what? I am so happy to just, like, press on with boldness and courage and, like, hang out with you guys, so, yeah, um, it's interesting, the moment, well, because the team was like, you know, we want you to share. I was just like, oh, really? <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, that's kind, but I don't really need to, but okay. I feel the need to separate myself from my chaos. I feel the need for some reason to like get away, like I need to go find Jesus because my life is craziness and wild and four kids and everything. And then I felt like God said, the message is in your mess. Literally, M-E-S-S, -S, the message is in your mess. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I just need to sink in. And that's where I see God move. That is where I see the real living, breathing God meet me. Is like right there in the disaster of my house, in the disaster of my mind sometimes, in just the craziness. And our mess is what moved the heart of the Father. If you think about it, that was the whole reason why our mess moved his heart. We're talking about reformers this month. Um, I, I know you probably weren't thinking I was going to speak on reforming, but that's this month. We always like to have a topic. And so reforming, synonyms for that, crusader, agitator, improver, fighter, supporter, reorganizer, champion, campaigner, activist, agitator, advocate, so many great words that come under being a reformer. It's pretty much the rejection of one thing to establish something new and better. God rejected our separation. He's like, yeah, that's not gonna fly with me. Like, I know this was what you guys chose kind of by accident because you were deceived, hey, way back in the beginning. And he was like, that's just not gonna work. And so that is, that was what brought him to the answer of how are we gonna fix this? The advocator of Jesus, that was his idea. So right then and there, that was the biggest reform of all the world, forever and ever. That was the first, first reformer. That was what brought about God's overwhelming need to make the biggest sacrifice of his existence. And like I said, the greatest reform of all time, that something's got to change. 
And so Samuel brought up Martin Luther last week. He was the one that did, uh, what was it, the 95, 93, these 95 thesis, thesis, thesis. Anyway, he's the one who nailed all of those to the Catholic church because he was like, guys, I'm seeing some problems here. Like we just can't keep going like this. He saw the error that had developed. But the big thing was, is that he saw the antidote. He saw what actually needed to happen. And that was his why. He believed that salvation was alone through Jesus. It wasn't deeds, that it was alone through God or alone through his son. And also that the Bible was the central religious authority. So those were his two whys. Obviously, that's always what has to spark a great reformation is you dig deeper into why are we doing this? Why are we doing it like this? Why have we done it like this? This doesn't even make sense. But when someone comes to you and says, let me help you change. I don't know if any of you, you know what? Actually, I'm sure none of you, I'm sure no one's ever told you you know, you need to change something. It's probably just me. Someone comes to me and they're like, yeah, that didn't go over so well the other day. We're going to need to change that. And that can be rough sometimes to hear that. It takes humility to actually listen to what someone's saying to that change. So I can only imagine what the entire Catholic church probably thought when Martin Luther was like, Nailing those little 95 theses to the wall. There had to be a humility. There had to be an acceptance and a desire for a heart change, for a change and a shift and a healing of your heart because that's what has to happen. There has to be that openness and that like, like opening up your heart. Like, okay, I guess I can see that. Okay, I'm open for something like that. It means you have to start over. It means that your deeper why has to be uncovered. Okay, You're saying that I need to change. You're saying that something new, there needs to be a transformation. But why? So, like I said, our mess was what sparked God's why. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed that in society these days, just in pop culture, that there's a lot of ideas of things that should be changed whether it's politically, whether it's in education, whether it's in the church, whether it's in family, whether it's in how people see themselves or what they claim to be. Like literally the world thinks or society that they have all these great ideas on reform. And it can get a little confusing for Christians sometimes, or even just someone who's just walking around their daily life to know, okay, like, how do I decipher? Like, okay, reform is possible. Transformation is possible. But just because it's available doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's the right direction. It doesn't mean that you should grab onto that. Like, but it's going to make my life better. Like, think about all the commercials that you hear, like on a daily basis, promising suddenly you're going to have a six pack if you go and sit on the couch and watch a big screen TV all day. Like, you know, like there's just, just because there is a chance for something better doesn't mean it's the right thing. The test is the word of God. And actually, what I found really cool, because I I started to just dig into all this stuff on Martin Luther and reform and all this just incredible stuff. And Martin Luther also felt the same way. And he, he got up before the Catholic leaders to advocate for why he thought things should be different, why he thought that we had gotten to a point that was unhealthy in the church, why we had gotten to a point that we really weren't chasing after God with everything. And he said this, he got up in front of, um, I believe the, the Catholic 
just all the leaders. And he said, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in the councils alone, since it, it is well known that they have erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. I was blown away when I saw the awe and the reverence that he had for God, that he had for the word of God. He knew how easy it was to get off track. He knew how easy it was to see something shiny and new and a new way of thinking. There's lots of ways, even in Christianity these days, that they're trying to make it seem more pleasant and easier. And like, wait, picking up that cross? No one's got time for that. That's way too exhausting. There's a way to do it without actually having to pick up the cross. And guys, that is not what gets us to be by the side by by God's side for eternity. That's not what gets us there. It can seem well and good. It can seem like, but we're being loving and really sweet and kind. Yay, being nice. Okay, and I like being nice. Genuinely, I do. But that is not what does it at the end of the day. It's not a pretty little Tiffany box wrapped and packaged and, you know. No. People can so easily get off track. And so who are you listening to? What is your, like Martin Luther, he knew that, man, I've seen y'all make mistakes. I've seen you all get us off track. Like the, the, the proof is in the pudding. I don't even know what that means. I just know that that's, I just know that that's something that they say. So, <laughs> but he knew that in such an imperfect world with imperfect people, that the truth could only be found in God and the words of God. What a gracious father. Like, what a gracious father that he already knew all this was going to take place. He was like, oh, I know, guys. There's going to be people over here that are going to get you off course a little bit. But guess what? I'm going to dig into uh, my first verse here, and it is Acts 17, 26. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. And pretty much at this point... Paul, um, he's speaking to all the leaders in Athens. So Paul was going around and he was preaching. And some people were like, yeah, we don't really care about it. So he's like, cool, I'll go somewhere that they actually are going to care. And they're actually going to like receive something. And so he speaks to all the leaders in Athens. And the city, the city that he goes to, extravagant idol worship there. I mean, just idols and altars and just craziness. However, there was one altar that Paul noticed and it said it was to the unknown God. And so I just, to me that meant, and then I'm going to get into the scripture. To me that meant that even through all the confusion, that somehow God put a seed in their hearts. Somehow, without them even knowing the Holy, well, I guess, let's see. No, the, yes, they did have the Holy Spirit at that point. The Holy Spirit was already moving that, like, that place of like, hmm, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something that we're, we're missing. So we'll set that up, the unknown God altar. Cool. So it says, from one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity. And he spread us all over the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. He has done this so that every person 
would long for God, feel their way to him and find him, for he is the God who is easy to discover. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity, just as your own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. There's always a way to God, you guys, always. And guess what? He actually tries to make it easy that even when people were bogged down in deception and lies and they were lost and they didn't really probably even notice, there was that seed, like I said. And like, just what a gracious, gracious father that he has made a way for you to get to him. He's not a mystery. He doesn't try to hide from you. He doesn't try to disappear. I know Samuel's talked about, you know, like the desert seasons and like he's, he's got a cloud, he's got a fire. He's got something that will always lead you and guide you. Even if it might feel like you're surrounded by other things that are trying to take away your, um, your focus. Think about how many idols we have in this world. We are pretty much just like Athens. Like, we are literally bogged down by things that can take our hearts away, that can take away our, just our love, really, just loving so many things. Think about how many times we throw around that word, like, oh my gosh, I love this cheeseburger. <laughs> Which reminds me, Nancy, whenever I was pregnant, Nancy was like, I just thought it looked like you ate a big cheeseburger, like every time, like just a big cheeseburger. I was just like, thank you, thank you. I just love her. Anyway, she brought me flowers this morning. That was really, really sweet. Those were from Cameron, okay. Thanks, Nancy. Anyway, we have got to be knowledgeable with the word and always asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom. I am not sure at what point in your guys' lives you literally feel like you were calling out to God for wisdom because you just had no idea what to do next. But for me, it's been having four kids. Literally, I don't even know how many times the kids have probably seen me just like, Jesus, like help me, like, like, like pleading, like I don't, I don't know what to do next. Like literally, like that is one thing, like <laughs> Brixton, when they said like, why is your mom strong? God, <laughs> God, one simple, simple answer. I was cracking up, God. Oh, and then Brightly said a smoothie. I make them a smoothie every day. It's green. It has tons of veggies in it, but I put a banana so it sweetens it up enough so they don't even realize what they're eating. And so that has kept them healthy and alive. <laughs> so God keeps me alive and green smoothie keeps them alive. It all works out, guys. It really does. <laughs> but yeah, so asking for wisdom has been one of my like lifelines. And I was just talking to someone the other day about it and Oftentimes you can get to points like whether it's in a job, whether it's being a mom, whether it's just whatever you're doing in life. And over and over again, you just see yourself falling. You're like, why does this keep happening? Whether I keep getting fired or whether things just keep going wrong. And I was just, I was talking to someone. And I was like, hey, you do realize like you have the upper hand, right? You have the lifeline, right? You just have to think about it in the moment, like grab onto that wisdom. There's literally wisdom waiting for us in heaven, God's wisdom that you pull down and suddenly you can see clearly something maybe that you had never even noticed before. And hey, sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe you do get fired or maybe something does happen. Like, hey, life happens. But thinking about it later, like, okay, what? Lord, share me. Like, I totally just failed with my kids. I, I yelled at them. So I had to go and ask for forgiveness. Okay, next time, how can I do that differently? What wisdom can I take from this experience that I just had that totally left me flat on my face? 
but like, how can I get ahead of the ball next time? How can I get ahead of the game? And Jesus speaks to his disciples and he actually starts just telling them how incredible the Holy Spirit is. It's John 16, uh, 13. And again, it's in the Passion Translation. But he said, but when the truth giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. Jesus was literally telling his disciples, you should be so excited for me to leave because it means the Holy Spirit is coming and the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to lead you the rest of the way and for the rest of time that you are here on this earth. I don't think we even realize sometimes until we get into those hard places how incredibly needed the Holy Spirit is. And I think Jesus wanted us to stop or wanted his disciples to stop solely like, oh, it's right, oh, like there's Jesus. Like he wanted, it's within you. It's within you. That is where the truth is going to be placed. It is going to be grown inside of you. You will do things that I have done and even greater and the Holy Spirit will be there to lead you. He didn't want us to keep looking at a person. And I know Samuel's brought this up multiple times, like people looking at a pastor or looking at someone who has the microphone and suddenly thinking, well, they're walking this way. So that's where I'm going to go. Oh, they, oh, 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 No, it's within you. You have that ability to reach, down, reach, reach up in heaven and grab it. And so thank God for the Holy Spirit, because I don't know how I would make it through some days if I, because I don't know how to raise a six, a five, a three, and a one-year-old all the time. Like I can take what I gleaned. I had a, an incredible childhood. I can totally take and glean, you know, what I gleaned from that. But there's always a new thing you come up against. There's always a new situation. There's always a new, like, gosh, what do we do? I, uh, okay, Lord, I'm going to need your wisdom because you know, and I know that you can give me the answers to the test here. If it's available, gosh, if someone gave you an answer key to a test before you took it, wouldn't you want to take it? Now, I never cheated in high school. Don't be going and thinking that. Like, but like in life, if you're given an answer key. So anyway, there will consistently be chances, again, you guys, for reform and transformation. So make sure it's in the right direction. The Bible, the Holy Spirit, these are really great little signposts of which way to go and how to decipher what is, what's the answer here? This is a tough one. And you guys, I can't believe how many tough situations and things I've seen brought up, even just over COVID, even over just the, the racial unrest and just everything that's been going on in our nation. There are some tough, tough things happening. And I, I think our eyes just have to go back to God most of the time. They really do. And it doesn't mean that you don't love people and you don't love our you know, nation and whatever, but like, like we have to realign so many times because Martin Luther knew that all the church leaders were getting confused and caught up in the wrong thing. So if the church leaders are getting there, think about the rest of the world who doesn't even have that in with God. Like we've got to realign and know, why am I doing this? You got to know where your why is at. Yes. So it always, the, the why, the why, the why, it keeps coming up. All great reformations, protests through history started with a why or why not, or why are we doing this? I am a big why person naturally. My poor husband, he's got me and four kids that ask why all the time. And I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen the great and highly esteemed work 
of Toy Story 4, but there is a line in that made by Trixie the Triceratops. I have a question. No, wait. I have all the questions. And that is my line. I'm like, wait, I've got a question. Wait. I have all the questions. And Samuel's like, oh, yeah, yeah. jumps out the car. Because poor guy, like, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's moving either. He will save himself. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to give you guys another few pet peeves that I have in regards to why. I don't know if you remember the trend or if it still is a trend where people wear lifeguarding sweatshirts. Like, I just remember, like, growing up, like, it was just like a, like, ooh, lifeguard, yay. And so I'm thinking, wait a sec, did you actually swim the 500 and almost drowned? Not saying I did, but... I did, almost. Did you actually have to go rescue your boss from the bottom and show him that you could be a good lifeguard? Did you do all these things? Why are you wearing that sweatshirt? Why? Tell me, because you shouldn't be, because you're not a real lifeguard. Totally just a pet peeve. I would find all these things swirling in my brain when I saw someone wearing a lifeguard sweatshirt. Because I'm like, you're not really supposed to be wearing that. You're not a lifeguard. Another one, graphic tees are really in right now. All the old bands, all the old fun Do they even know what they sing? Do they even know what it sounds like? Do they know the band's name besides what's written on the shirt? I'm like, wait, but why are you wearing that? You don't know anything about it. And I must just be a purist or something, but if I'm going to wear something, I want it to mean something, I guess. (laughs) So like the other day I bought a shirt and it had Nashville on it. And I was like, it's a cute shirt. But Nashville was Samuel and I's first trip when we just started getting interested in each other. It was Nashville, the call, Tennessee, with Lou Engle and all. So, like, I must just be a little bit psychotic that I want everything to mean something and, like, be all the details. But I, it just always goes back to that, like, why? There's got to be a reason. And it's funny because I have a friend. I don't think she's here today. But she has the most... She's got these real classic tattoos, and they are awesome. And I couldn't wait to find out, like, well, why? What is it? And she actually genuinely said there was no why. She literally, there was no reason for any of her tattoos. She just liked the look of them. And so I was like, you know what? Okay. Uh, They are cool. So I will fudge on the why this time. I will allow you (laughs) to get away with it. (laughs) Another one. Samuel will hang out with a friend for like, you know, five hours or (laughs) like he'll go and he'll rock climb. He'll go and rock climb and it is time consuming. So he does need that. But when he gets home, I'm like, how is he? How's his family? What's going on in his life? How's the job going? I don't know. You just spent five hours with him. How do you not know? Just the difference of men and women, I guess. I don't know. I just want to dig into like everything. And he's like, We were climbing and hanging out, and it was wonderful. I think he gets away so he doesn't have to hear the whys. He, like, he doesn't have to wade through all the questions, all the questions. But man, oh, man, I'm not sure any moms in here, any parents in here, your kids want to know the whys. They really do, all the time. And we actually, I actually am okay with the whys, probably because I'm a kid and I like to ask why, too, but, like, We'll dig into those, and it'll bring up some good stuff. Like, we were talking about bullying the other day, and I was just like, guys, 
sometimes people are hurting and we don't see what happens at home. We don't know what their life is like. And so they could be hurting other people to make themselves feel better. You know, when they get out and about, when they go squirt you in the face with a squirt gun at the playground, like these kinds of things can happen sometimes because they're having a rough time. That was something that my parents instilled in me, like give people the benefit of the doubt. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know why they're acting out in this way. And so that, those whys have brought those good things up with my kids. Um, they've also had the question, wait, can I drink all your water while you're working out, mom? Literally, I was working out the other day and between, within 10 minutes, three of my four kids came to drink my water and I'm like trying to work out and not, and it's completely gone within 10 minutes. And Brixton's like, but mom, I was really thirsty. I'm like, dude, I'm sweating bullets over here about to die working out. It doesn't, he's like, why, why do you need water? So yeah, that was an interesting why too. But <laughs> yes, all day, every day, you are ask, answering those questions, why? And guess what? It challenges me. My kids challenge me because it, it, it causes me just naturally to dig into my whys. Wait, why did I want to leave the room when that person walked in? Wait, why did I feel insecure suddenly when someone else was like amazing and shining and like doing so well? Wait, why do I? And so my, my, um, I went to school for communications. I minored in family marriage therapy. And so naturally people's behaviors are super interesting to me. So, of course, my behaviors are also very interesting to me, much harder to dig into at times because sometimes you don't actually want to look at those reasons, whether it's fears or insecurities or whatever it is. You're the hardest place sometimes to actually to like open up and look at because changing is hard. Having a reformation and a transformation happen inside you, it is hard because um, like the age-old... Let's see, the age-old, what would she be? Philosopher. Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast said, finding you can change, learning you were wrong, also means that you were wrong. And so finding out that you have to change means, dang it, I was wrong, and that's just not fun. But, (laughs) but yeah, so I'm going to actually, oh, I did find a verse at the very end of when I was studying the other day, and it just like, certain verses make me do a happy dance because I grabbed onto it in a different way that time. And so it was Proverbs 22.6, and this was in the amplified version. So it like adds in these cool extra ideas. And so normally I heard it as train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But in the middle, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he is old, he will not depart. Teaching your child how to find God, teaching them how to dig in, teaching them how to go and find the wisdom, not just giving them a fish, but teaching them to fish, like actually teaching them, okay, you have this why and I can help you answer it, but how about you? go dig in. And, and of course, my one-year-old is not going to go dig into the Bible yet. So I'm that little bridge. I'm that one that's going to tell them the why. But giving them that chance, like, here's a little Bible or here, we can talk about this. Let's find the why because God's wisdom, finding it on your own is huge. When you get older someday, you're not going to have your mom and dad there every second of the day to help lead you and guide you. So finding, I just 
thought that was really cool. I never thought about it like that exactly. So, like I said, yes, I have been greatly challenged to re-secure why I do what I do because of my kids and because of how interested they are to have the foundation of why do we do that? Um, Myself, Vincent, and Danielle Seals, we got to do Young Adults this past season in Homes. And it was a blast, you guys. We loved it. Met so many new friends, just incredible, just young adults and stuff. I mean, I'm still a young adult, right? No. A little bit. Nah. We, <laughs> but anyway, I have realized that it's probably one of the biggest topics, but maybe has been since the beginning of time. But since, since whenever God was like, hey, this is a good idea, I would like you to do this. Waiting until marriage. <laughs> it, believe me, this is the biggest question. How do I live out a godly relationship, dating someone, getting to know them, eventually wanting to marry them and stuff? How do I do this um, in, in God's way, like being obedient to him? I have spoken to countless couples, countless young people. It is always in the forefront of their mind. And they want, with their whole hearts, to be obedient to God and to follow after him. But suddenly, it, man, (laughs) when all you hear is like, no, 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 don't do that. No, 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 bad, no, bad, 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 don't. You can be like, well, I guess that sounds right. I mean, I guess. But eventually, when you get into a relationship and you fall head over heels in love with someone, and you know that you're going to spend to infinity beyond with them, that you are going to be together forever. So what does it matter? Like, really? Like, why am I trying to do something that's so counterculture? It's in every song. It's in every TV show. It's everywhere surrounding, all around. Every day we are hearing, it's not even a question anymore. That's just how you do life these days, right? God does like to do those counterculture things sometimes, huh? that we just look so different than everyone else if we're actually buying into God's truth. So very quickly, you can't remember why, but, but wait, why is that what God wants me to do? That doesn't, ah, it doesn't make sense. I think I'm good. Suddenly in that moment, your why, it's got to be rooted or else very, very quickly, ugh, it's just, nah, it's way easier. Nope, nope. I don't need to. And that reminded me of the story. I'm going to go on to another verse, Matthew 7, 24 through 29. Love this story. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the flood came with fierce winds beating upon his house, it stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who's built his house on sand. When it rained and rained and the flood came with wind and waves beating upon his house, it collapsed. And when I read that, I kind of looked at it in this new way. I was like, oh my gosh, they both look the same. You can never tell, really, if someone, you know, has their house built on rock or has it on sand because they both heard from Jesus. So they're both building it exactly the same from what it looks like. It looks exactly the same. The only difference is actually applying 
those true teachings of God. So it's the application. But guess what? You might not even realize that you're not applying these things until the storm comes. You may think like, I'm good, I'm doing it, I'm, I'm, yes. But then suddenly the storm comes and you are lying face in the sand and you're just like, what happened? And I feel like we haven't talked about the foolish man as much because we're him a lot of the time. We don't even realize that. And it could be in small areas. Like, okay, maybe you feel like you've got the main, you know, obedience to God's down and under your belt. But then sometimes suddenly like you get fearful or you get jealous or whatever it might be. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm in the sand on this. Like I didn't actually apply what God said. And you don't notice until that amazing person walks into the room and you're like, oh, I've got to, yep, okay, Lord, you are my rock. You are my foundation. How can I be excited for them? How can I, I like rejoice with them when something great happens in their life and maybe it's not happening in mine? How can I reaffirm that rock instead of the sand in my life? And it all comes down to, are we motivated by love? Like, yes, God, no matter what it takes, I want to obey you. No matter what it takes, no matter what sacrifices, what cross I have to pick up. Or is it the law? Is it the law that's motivating us? And believe me, one encounter with love will go way further than the law. That will lose your interest so fast so fast, then no, no, no. For a second, it sounds good. And then you're just like, yeah, that's boring. Love will ravish your heart. It will transform your life. It will be something that you are okay with standing on for the rest of your life because love has that effect. It has that effect. You remember, you go back to that encounter that you had in your secret place or during worship or at a home group or whatever. And your why suddenly goes back to that place. So two signs that your why is rooted in life and transformation and moving you in in the right direction. At the end of Matthew, it's Matthew 7, 28. At the end of that story, it says, by the time Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were awestruck by his teaching because his words carried such great authority, quite unlike the religious scholars. In the message translation, it says, when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to the religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Your words carry power and authority when you've lived through what you are preaching. And so that is how you know you are on the rock. When the things that you say, when you can feel the chills, when you can feel the Holy Spirit, when you know, I've lived through this, that's how I can tell you about it. And Jesus on a daily basis was living through the transformation that God wants to do in all of us. And that's why he could say, guys, I know it's hard, but you can do it. I know it's hard, but you can totally, we got this and there's power in it. The rock and the authority in your voice, that's how you know that you are headed in the right place. That's how you know that your why is where it should be. How many times do you think Jesus had to go over his why again while here on earth? It talks about him being in the garden, sweating blood. He had to go over, why am I doing this? Do I really have to, God? This is gonna be the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And God probably had to go over his why again too. Do I really have to lose my son in this way? But Every single one of us gave him his why again. Every single one of us in his mind till the end of time gave him that foundation of, but I've got to, 
I want them back. I am not okay with how things have gone, and I will reform it any way I can. And if that's by sending my only son, then that is what I will do. First Samuel twenty two twenty three. Do you think all God wants are sacrifices, empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing. Not staging a lavish religious production. Can I have the worship team up? I don't know where they, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can have the worship team up, that'd be awesome. This verse is taken out of Samuel. And Samuel was talking to Saul in this verse. And Saul had just obeyed God. And he conquered this nation. And it was incredible. They had their victory. But at the end of it, he took things that he wasn't supposed to, and he created this exciting, big, like, word, like, like sacrifice to God. And Samuel was like, dude, <laughs> I imagine this is how the conversation went. Dude, you, you realize you don't have to do all that stuff, right? God wants your heart. He wants your obedience. He doesn't care about you making a big show so you look great in front of everyone. So you you know, throw a big party because you did great. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your obedience. And I say this to my kids sometimes when they're like, when I have to correct them and guide them and lead them and all that good stuff. I'm like, guys, I actually have good ideas. I know sometimes it doesn't look like it in the moment, but I actually have good ideas. And because I care for you, you can trust me. Because I believe in you and I want the best for you. You can trust that it might seem crazy now. And I can't even count now how many times my kids have come up to me afterwards and they're like, Mommy, I'm sorry. They hear what I'm saying and their little hearts get softened after the rage of them being angry after Monroe stomps to the couch and throws her face in the couch. And her little tantrums are fun right now. But they come back because they're like, Oh, I, I can see that you were right. You were right. God wants your vulnerability. He wants your beating live heart. No matter the state, no matter the storms that have left you like the man in the sand, face in the sand, we've all been there. We're not always all the wise man. I know we like to think that we are, but it doesn't always happen like that. Or maybe you have been that man and you've had that foundation and you have, you have, you know, it's been weary some days, but you have continued to go after God. You've continued to place your and build your life. And so let this simply be an encouragement. Good job on those whys. Maybe re-examine new whys. Why do I do it like this? Why do I continue to pursue God? Why do I continue to forgive when they hurt me over and over again? Why do I continue that transformation? It's hurtful sometimes. It's painful ripping out those places. But when you know your why, you could go for the rest of your life. When you know it's in a safe, good place that will actually keep you and protect you and fill you, why not? You were God's why. All he wants to be is your why. Why? 